Our reading this evening is Daniel chapter 7. In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel saw a dream and visions of his head as he lay in his bed. Then he wrote down the dream and told the sum of the matter. Daniel declared, I saw in my vision by night, and behold, the four winds of heaven were stirring up the great sea, and four great beasts came up out of the sea, different from one another. The first was like a lion and had eagle's wings. Then as I looked, its wings were plucked off, and it was lifted up from the ground and made to stand on two feet like a man, and the mind of a man was given to it. And behold, another beast, a second one, like a bear. It was raised up on one side. It had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth, and it was told, Arise, devour much flesh. After this I looked, and behold, another like a leopard, with four wings of a bird on its back. And the beast had four heads, and dominion was given to it. After this I saw in the night visions, and behold, a fourth beast, terrifying and dreadful and exceedingly strong. It had great iron teeth. It devoured and broke in pieces and stamped what was left with its feet. It was different from all the beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns. I considered the horns, and behold, there came up among them another horn, a little one, before which three of the first horns were plucked up by the roots. And behold, in this horn were eyes like the eyes of a man, and a mouth speaking great things. As I looked, thrones were placed, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was white as snow, and the hair of his head like pure wool. His throne was fiery flames, its wheels were burning fire. A stream of fire issued and came out from before him. A thousand thousands served him, and ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court sat in judgment, and the books were opened. I looked then because of the sound of the great words that the horn was speaking, and as I looked, the beast was killed, and its body destroyed and given over to be burned with fire. As for the rest of the beasts, their dominion was taken away, but their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven there came one like a son of man. And he came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom, that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away, and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. As for me, Daniel, my spirit within me was anxious, and the visions of my head alarmed me. I approached one of those who stood there and asked him the truth concerning all this. So he told me and made known to me the interpretation of the things. These four great beasts are four kings who shall arise out of the earth. But the saints of the Most High shall receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever, forever and ever. Then I desired to know the truth about the fourth beast, which was different from all the rest, exceedingly terrifying, with its teeth of iron and claws of bronze, and which devoured and broke in pieces and stamped what was left with its feet, and about the ten horns that were on its head, and the other horn that came up and before which three of them fell, the horn that had eyes and a mouth that spoke great things and that seemed greater than its companions. As I looked, this horn made war with the saints and prevailed over them until the Ancient of Days came, and judgment was given for the saints of the Most High. And the time came when the saints possessed the kingdom. Thus he said, As for the fourth beast... 
There shall be a fourth kingdom on earth, which shall be different from all the kingdoms, and it shall devour the whole earth, and trample it down, and break it to pieces. As for the ten horns, out of this kingdom ten kings shall arise, and another shall arise after them. He shall be different from the former ones, and that shall put down three kings. He shall speak words against the Most High, and shall wear out the saints of the Most High, and shall think to change the times and the law. And they shall be given into his hand for a time, times, and half a time. But the court shall sit in judgment, and his dominion shall be taken away, to be consumed and destroyed to the end. And the kingdom and the dominion and the greatness of the kingdoms under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High. His kingdom shall be an everlasting kingdom, and all dominions shall serve and obey him. Here is the end of the matter. As for me, Daniel, my thoughts greatly alarmed me, and my color changed, but I kept the matter in my heart. O Lord, have mercy on us. Thanks be to God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. A voice says, cry. This is Isaiah chapter 40, which begins with comfort for God's people. A voice says, cry. And I said, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and all its beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades when the breath of the Lord blows on it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand and marked off the heavens with a span? Who has enclosed the dust of the earth in a measure and weighed the mountains in scales and the hills in a balance? Who has measured the spirit of the Lord? Or what man shows him counsel? Behold, the nations are like a drop from the bucket and are accounted as the dust on the scales. Behold, he takes up the coastlands like fine dust. All the nations are as nothing before him. They are accounted by him as less than nothing and emptiness. If you only remember one thing from this chapter, Daniel chapter 7, it's this message from Isaiah chapter 40 that you should remember. The nations are like a drop from the bucket. All the nations are as nothing before him. They are counted by him as less than nothing and emptiness. All the nations, all the kingdoms, all the beasts that emerge from the sea, all of them are like a drop from the bucket. And that's what we see so clearly. Although there are all kinds of perplexing things in Daniel chapter 7, what we see so clearly is that despite the coming of these beasts out of the sea with their terror and their devouring and their wickedness against God's people, in spite of that, the kingdom is given to the Son of Man, or one like a Son of Man. And we discover along the way that the one like a Son of Man, that's you and me. Of course, it's Jesus, Jesus, one like a Son of Man, but you and I are in Christ. And so, the kingdom and the dominion and the glory are given to us, not to these beasts, though they wage war for a while, though they come out of the sea for a while. That's what you need to know most of all. But there are some questions that probably need to be answered. What on earth is going on? Well, here's some detail that may help explain the picture. First of all, note that in Daniel chapter 7, we have now stepped out of the timeline. It's in the first year of King Belshazzar, who actually died a few chapters ago in Daniel. Nebuchadnezzar was the king of Babylon, and then his son Belshazzar took over. 
And then when Belshazzar died, Darius, the king of the Medes and the Persians, came, and he's the one who threw Daniel into the lion's den. Belshazzar was dead by the end of chapter 6. And so Daniel chapter 7 takes us back in time to Daniel in, in the court of King Belshazzar in his first year. And so in that time, Daniel had a vision. It tells you something about how Daniel would have looked at his surroundings in the court. He saw this vision, and he knew the explanation of what was coming. He knew that Belshazzar's kingdom was coming to an end, and that the next kingdom would come to an end, and the kingdom after that, and the fourth kingdom, even that would come to an end. He knew all of that, and that set him free to tell the truth, to be faithful and courageous in the face of all of the accusations in the face of all of the persecution that he faced in those kingdoms. So it was Belshazzar and his kingdom in the first year of Belshazzar's reign that Daniel saw this vision. And the vision was of four beasts, but the beasts came out of the sea when the sea was stirred by the wind, which is a very interesting picture. We heard something about that in our psalm, Psalm 29. We heard about the wind, the voice of the Lord which does all kinds of terrible things and wonderful things. The voice of the Lord over the waters. The glory of God thunders. The voice of the Lord is powerful. And the voice of the Lord, as we heard on Sunday in John chapter 3, the breath of God goes into his people, the Spirit of God, into his people so that they blow, they move about when and where he pleases. And so it is, in fact, likely that these beasts emerge from the sea because the voice of God has gone out into all the nations. And in fact, God's people have gone into all the nations. Think about it. Think about what a terrifying thing it is for Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego to be in Babylon and for the Babylonians to see that their God is greater than the gods of the Babylonians. It stirs up the sea. And so out of the sea emerges these beasts. The first beast seems clearly to be the kingdom of Babylon. In fact, you get some reminiscence of Nebuchadnezzar's life in that beast, which had wings like an eagle that were plucked from it, and then it was given the mind of a man, a reasoning mind, which sounds an awful lot like what happened to Nebuchadnezzar. When he took the form of a beast for a while, eating grass like an ox, and then his reason was restored, and he became like a man again. That seems to be Babylon. Then the next beast, the bear, seems to be the Medo-Persian Empire, the kingdom that Darius reigns over. A third kingdom is coming yet. That's the kingdom that's a leopard. We're going to hear more about that kingdom in Daniel chapter 8. That kingdom seems to be Greece, which comes and conquers the Persian Empire. So you have this succession of empires. In fact, there were empires before Babylon. There were the Assyrians before Babylon. Then come the Babylonians. Then come the Medes and the Persians. Then come the Greeks. And then come the Romans. And perhaps, perhaps that fourth kingdom has something to do with the Romans, who really seemed to reign until the time of Jesus. Until the time of Jesus, and then they sort of take on, at times, a very protective role for the Christians, and at times a very persecuting role for the Christians. That seems to be what we see in that little horn. A very strange image, but that little horn that wages war against God's people. What Daniel is seeing in this vision alarms him, and it's no surprise. It would alarm anyone. These figures emerging out of the sea terrible and terrifying. But he's seen a vision of the future. He's seen a vision in which mighty and powerful men and mighty kingdoms emerge, but they waste away. Each one of them is conquered by another greater than the one before. 
That's the vision that Daniel sees, and it is clear as day. It's clear as day and becomes even clearer when he sees the Ancient of Days sitting on a throne, pure white, his clothing as white as snow, his hair, the hair of his head like pure wool and fire surrounding him, fire going out from his throne, fire surrounding his throne, people everywhere, thousands of thousands and ten thousands of servants around his throne, a throne of judgment. And that's the glorious thing about the coming of Jesus, that he brings judgment against the evil rulers of this world and in favor of God's people. He comes to judge in favor of the likes of Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He comes to rule in, likes, in, the, in the favor of the likes of the people of Israel who are in exile in Babylon. He comes in judgment to rule in our favor. That's what the cross means. Jesus says, now is the ruler of this world judged. When he's crucified, Satan is destroyed. Satan's power is defeated. Death is made nothing. The sting of death is taken away. The grave can't hold him anymore. Judgment has been rendered. And the verdict is in our favor. And that's why when the one like a son of man comes and approaches the throne, he receives a kingdom. Something that has been promised to God's people. A kingdom and glory. Think about Jesus' promises to his people. Look, I'm going away, he said, to prepare a place for you. A promise. But where is it? You can't see it. It's not here now. It's promised. It's coming. And that's the promise that is delivered in Jesus. When judgment is rendered against the world, when the kingdoms of this world are brought to nothing, when all of the rulers in all of their might, in all of their thundering, is brought to nothing, that's when God's people are vindicated. That's when God's people are given an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away. That's hard for us to imagine. And it is not something that Christians often talk about It's very easy to complain about the state of this world and to be fearful about how things are going, where they have come from, and where they might go yet. It's very easy to wonder whether the church will last, whether there'll be any Christians. It's very easy to wonder how things will be for our children and our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren. But we do not have to wonder, and we do not have to be afraid, because the promise has been given to us. Daniel saw the vision. And we have seen the fulfillment in Jesus on the cross that the judgment has been rendered. The greatness of the kingdoms under the whole heaven and the kingdom and the dominion shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High. That is to all who call on the name of the Lord. Nothing, not any beast that emerges from the sea, not the threats of a Nebuchadnezzar or a Darius, not the the rantings and ravings of Pontius Pilate or King Herod or any of the rulers of this world, not one of them, can take away this fact, that our Lord God Almighty reigns, that one like a son of man has ascended into the heavens and sits at the right hand of God on a throne to give us a kingdom forever. Daniel's thoughts greatly alarmed him and his color changed. He tried to understand what he saw, tried to make sense of it, but you can see in his life, you can see in his life how the impact on Daniel led to fearlessness. There he is in the court of Darius, And the command has gone out in Daniel chapter 6 that no one should pray except to King Darius. And what does Daniel do? He's unafraid. He's seen the vision. He knows the promises. He knows that God is on his side. He knows that victory is promised to his people. He knows that the judgment has been rendered in his favor. And he knows that he will win. He will win even if those lions eat him up. He knows that he will win. And that is the hope for Christians now, even now, 
Victory is ours in Christ Jesus. That's what we learn from Daniel chapter 7. There's so much more that you could dig up in Daniel chapter 7. All kinds of things that we don't understand and scholars and theologians have argued about it for a long time since it was written down. But the point is so clear. The point is so clear and the promise and the comfort are so clear. How do you fight? How do you fight if you know you're going to win? How do you fight? You fight with confidence. How do you live if you know that you're going to live forever? You live fearlessly and you live in hope and joy. To God alone be all glory now and forever. Amen.